0: welcome to the sarah centrella show join best-selling author master life coach and manifesting expert sarah centrella as she shares tips tools and inspiring interviews to help you create your dream life it's time to hustle and thrive now here's your host sarah centrella
1: all right, everybody, welcome back to the Sarah Centrella Show. I am excited. It's Friday. We have a brand new episode for you today. Um, and as I am known to do, I love to share my friends with you. <laughs> so today I have one of my good girlfriends, uh, Amy Veslas, on the call today. And not only is she a great personal friend, um, but she is and was, was, I should say, because I have to be legally correct, right? Um, Amy was my attorney a couple of years ago, and so I wanted to bring her on and share some of her knowledge and also, um, you know, talk to us about how she retrie- achieved this dream in her life and all that good stuff. So welcome to the show, Amy. Thanks so much for being here.
0: Good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, I've never done a podcast before, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah uh, do I need to introduce myself so all the people oh out there know gosh. who I am or how, do, how does it work? I love this.
1: I know, right? I love it. I love it. Um, yes, yeah, so what I love to start off doing is giving the audience a little sense of your story, your your personal story. Um, now I should, I should tell everybody you are um, not only an attorney here in Oregon, um, but you are a partner in your firm, um, so you've really uh, achieved some amazing, amazing goals in your career um, to get you where you are today. But I know that people don't start there. Obviously, attorneys have a lot of school, first of all. <laughs> we all know you definitely didn't start out as a partner, right? Um, but what, what got you to where you are? Can you tell us a little bit about your backstory? Um, you know, what you kind of went through to
0: be able to be living your dream ultimately right now? Sure. Um, Well, I'm an Oregonian born and raised, so I kind of, I call it never left the nest, but I I sort of moved up the I-5 corridor. I grew up in Southern Oregon, ended up um, in Eugene for high school. That's what I consider home. And then came up to Portland for a little while, finished up my undergrad after leaving U of O. Um, I got my undergraduate degree, pardon me, (coughs) in administration of justice basically a criminology degree, and then I had ended up deciding I wanted to go to law school pretty early on in my undergrad years. Um, for me, that's certainly now that I'm a grown-up. Um, I try to pretend that I'm not one, but I am. In hindsight comes from right. stuff that I went through. Yeah, in my childhood with my family, uh, my dad went to prison a couple of times when I was a kid. And so obviously that shaped my my little mind and my thoughts about the judicial system and criminal justice in our world and that kind of thing. And so I was always kind of drawn to the law and the legal arena. Um, I ended up going to law school at Willamette down in Salem and did some clerky type jobs where I worked at law firms and things like that and met a lot of awesome people along the way to help me in my journey. Um, And I ended up clerking for a judge once I graduated from law school um, back home in Eugene and got to sort of sit there and observe. I am one of the people that they call a K through JD. Like, I didn't take any time off of school, Um, I went straight through my four years of undergrad, my three years of law school. And so I graduated law school having never worked full time for a year in my life. And I was, you know, I was 20, I was 24 years old, um, had a lot of life experience by that point, but certainly didn't have a lot of work experience. Um, I grew up in a blended family. My mom remarried my stepdad when I was 12, and so after being the youngest of four kids, I became the oldest of four, of three kids. My two stepsisters um, grew up with me, and we were a pretty normal nuclear family from the time I was 12 on, which was nice because um, those are critical ages for young girls, I think. Um okay. I learned a lot from my mom and stepdad and the way they handled um, – dealing with my dad too. They never were the type of family where like my dad was shunned, like I was encouraged to spend time with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that taught me a lot as a person, a young person growing up and seeing that it's not like they were friends. Yeah. But of course, like my dad wasn't bad mouth and they could have done that. Uh, my right, mom and stepdad right. were really supportive of that relationship. And I'm one of those extremely lucky people that my stepdad's just amazing. And so when I say my parents, usually that's people understand that I'm talking about my mom and Lenny. Um, so that, that shaped right. my, my little mind on divorce and custody and, and how people should behave and how adults should behave for the benefit of kids. And then with my dad having um, been in and out of prison a couple of times that, you know, I became interested in the criminal side of things. So when I graduated, I was kind of, you know, I was green, I had stars in my eyes, I was young, and like, I looked young, too. So I decided to clerk for a judge so that I could kind of observe the legal process. And um, I did that in Eugene for almost a year, and my judge did family law, and my judge did criminal law. She was the drug court judge. So I, ba- I basically was like one of those people that you see sitting in the courtroom at doing clerk work, so paperwork and stuff like that to get through the day-to-day in court, Um, I decided I was ready to leave the nest and applied for a couple of DA jobs up here in Portland, one out in Washington County, one out in Clackamas County. And then there were a couple of defense attorney positions and then a civil position. And I ultimately – my heart was not in doing prosecution work. I wanted to do criminal defense Mm -hmm. work. And I interviewed with Rob Harris, which is my firm that I'm at now, Um, back in 2005, and he hired me, and I have been there ever since. So, 15 years this summer was my anniversary at the office, Um, and that's what I did. I started doing what I wanted to do, which was indigent criminal defense work, so court-appointed attorney work. A lot of people don't understand how the process works. It varies from state to state and from county to county, but in my county where I work, which is Washington County, it's one of the uh, three largest counties in the state. Um, there's a dedicated public defender's office, but the public defender can't take all of the cases. So there are what are called contract firms where they do also indigent defense, public defender style work for, um, defendants that are charged with crime. So that's kind of how I started my career.
1: I love it. And, um, I want to give everyone a little sense of kind of how you and I connected because it is just one of those things where, you know, the universe has, has its plan, Um, because in 2016, when I was looking for, um, a family attorney, uh, I, I did what many women do. I sent out a text message to my girlfriend. So it was like, who knows a good attorney? Um, and I was referred to you by a friend of a friend and it was a complete, you know, kind of one of those random things. And, I remember, you know, sitting in your office in that very first consultation and just crying. I was going, you know, it was not a not a great time. Um, and you and I just really connected, um, and I'm so grateful for that because we've, you know, become great friends ever since. You were at my birthday party um, this last this last year, and and um, you know, I'm so grateful for getting to know you. And I just think it's it's one of those things that you, you never know, right? You never know what paths you're going to cross and, right? Um, you know what um, what interactions we should work on to build that friendship. And so, first and foremost, um, you slayed as my attorney. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, anybody in the Oregon area who needs a family uh, attorney, Amy is your girl. Um, But I also wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, if you don't mind, I know you're bilingual. I know um, your children are are also bilingual, right, Um, as men are. Um, My my son um, has gone through the bilingual program here, and I know you're very passionate about um, legal defense and serving communities that have really gone through a lot, especially the last four years. Um, Is there anything you wanted to kind of talk about how that passion, I guess, for a lack of a better word, has kind of come into play with
0: uh, what you do. Definitely. I feel like being bilingual, period, uh, made my career uh, what it is today. So being a young new attorney, being green, not having worked for all these years, coming to a community like Hillsborough, where there's a huge Spanish speaking population that's underserved made it my practice grow and explode. So statewide, there are not huge numbers of attorneys that speak Spanish and they're certainly not native speakers. Technically, I don't consider myself a native speaker. English is definitely my first language, but I did grow up in a bilingual bicultural household. My dad's Mexican. He immigrated to the United States in his early teens and didn't speak English and was thrown into high school. And that's how he met my mom. And they got married and had kids sort of thing. Um, going out to Hillsboro and people just word on the streets like, oh, there is this attorney and she speaks Spanish. And so I would get people coming in asking me for help on business matters or on licensing matters or things that were definitely out of the purview that I was able to assist them with. But they just felt a level of trust and a level of confidence because there was somebody that spoke their language that was now in their community and able to help them. So my practice grew really fast. My private practice grew really fast because of that. And that's how I started doing the family law types of things, helping people with their custody disputes, helping people with their divorces, domestic violence cases on both sides, on the victim side and on the defendant side, and just helping people with restraining orders and navigating through the system in the – I don't know, the the love from right. the community that I felt just immediately um, for having someone that was available to speak their language and help them navigate through the process and know some of the cultural nuances and that kind of thing um, was incredible. So now that's right. that's part of the reason I never left my firm. It's, I stayed there. I, I kind of worked my tail off for the first five years. Um, Rob offered me a partnership. I accepted it. And then uh, two years ago, we changed the name of the firm to include my name. So it's I Harris know, Velasquez so awesome. Gibbons. So that's, that's pretty so exciting. Awesome. Um, that was about two yes. years ago this summer. Um, before it was just Harris Law Firm, and Rob has been, you know, a pillar of the Hillsboro community for a really long time. Um, and then my other partner, Casey. So I'm the only female partner. I'm proud of that, and I yeah, like to I let say. people know yeah. that.
1: Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, I, I I love that, Um And before we kind of shift gears, because I know you've been manifesting like crazy and, you know, you've read the books and you've been um, putting into practice a lot of the things that I share. But before we do that, I think it's so important, um, you know, everybody knows I'm divorced, right? (laughs) Everyone knows my story. Um, And in you describing your experience as a child going through um, that, you know, having divorced parents... I mean my heart dreams of that. I I wish so with every literally every fiber of my being that that was the case in my situation sadly it is not. Um it doesn't really matter what I've tried to do or done um it just is not ever going to be that way. It's um it's sad and it it breaks my heart for my kids but there is not that <laughs> camaraderie um and I've just right. had to kind of do the best that I can in in providing um a loving and healthy relationship for my kids. Um, you know, and so I I was hoping you could share maybe some tips. Let's start first with um moms that are maybe going through divorce or um it's kind of maybe inevitable on the on the horizon or it's the, whatever stage of that what are some tips that women should be aware of because man i know that I've been through it twice and there is there's so much that still blindsides you you know what i mean you think like right. okay i have my ducks in a row i have everything done i have whatever and i mean it's it's a fucking process what i say that as it, you know it is but it know, is and, and
0: every so hard. Everyone's you know, process it's like, is different too. So right. I, I, I've been divorced as well. I didn't have children. So I think anytime there's a divorce without children, it's a whole nother ball game, right? It's just, you divide your stuff and it is what it is. And maybe yeah. it's just not that difficult. Um, I guess that's an oversimplification because there's also adults that, you know, or people who have adult children. And so the dynamics just different. I still always would encourage you to get an attorney. So you know what your rights are. So that's my little, right caveat for everybody. But divorce with kids is a whole nother thing, too. And the dynamic, I think, in the United States, oftentimes is that the mom provides more of the child care or child rearing than the dad does. And that's not always the case. I represent a lot of dads, Mm -hmm. too. But what I do see a lot of times is a power imbalance because of the world we live in, where maybe the mom doesn't make as much money as the dad. And so she's dependent on the father of the children for day-to-day financial support or where um, one spouse allows the other spouse to sort of control the finances, and maybe not even in a negative way, just somebody's the bill-paying spouse and the other spouse doesn't handle that, where folks will come in to talk to me um, and have a consultation and, and sort of like try to figure out financially, is this something that they can do or that they'll be able to get by on their own and they don't have access to bank accounts and they don't have access to credit cards and they don't know if there's retirement accounts or 401Ks. And so I encourage all women to be involved, especially in the finances, with their spouse so that they're aware of what they have as a couple. If you are a couple and you're living together, even if you're unmarried um, and you're sharing finances, that type of thing, I don't think there should ever be sort of – hidden accounts or things like that. I think people need to be aware of what's going on in their day-to-day. And also, people need to be aware. It's shocking. It it tends to be the husbands instead of the wives in my practice. A lot of times, husbands don't know things like, well, what's the power bill or what's the, you know, the cable bill or how much is the daycare for the kids, so I see that on the other other (laughs) side. Yeah, Yeah. nobody has any idea what anything costs. And so if you don't know what things cost, it's going to be hard for me to tell you, well, we should ask for this for spousal support or we should ask for the funds to be divided in this way because I don't know what your day-to-day is. Your day-to-day may vary dramatically from mine. I have clients that have tons of assets and, and no debt, and then I have the flip side where people have been living far beyond their means. There's more debt than income to go around and people don't really get it until it's time to go get a divorce. And so then on top of the emotional crisis you're going to be going through, there's going to be a financial crisis too because the bottom line is, is it costs more to live in two places than it does in one. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. And ladies don't expect it to be fair. I'll just say that. Um, But I think that's such good advice because it happened to me. and, And I think I was really shocked that it happened to me because initially I was the person who did pay all the bills. I mean, that was just my role um, in my marriage. I, you know, did that. I don't know why it just started that way. and kind of always was that way. And so the thing that shocked me, I guess, was that a lot of decisions I had made had cut me out of all that stuff. So ladies, pay attention, right? Because, you know, they were, they were little decisions that I made. I was like, Oh, his credit's better. So the car should be in his name or, um, this, that, or the other. And it just kind of slowly started happening to the point where, you know, when he left, I had access to pretty much nothing. Um, and it was terrifying. I never, you know, because being the one who was doing it, it had never crossed my mind that I would ever be in any other situation. Um, you know, and so all of a sudden to be in a situation where, hey, you can't do that without permission, or you can't do that without, um, you know, his buy off or say, it was it was really shocking for me. Um, so I'm always encouraging women to just be aware of that. I mean, definitely not trying to put doomsday out for anybody, but I think it's always good
0: to be smart, regardless.
1: Um, you know, agree. And, and yeah, and to not put yourself. It's not planning for the conditions worst, conditions. in my
0: opinion. It's just being aware right. and being involved in your own finances, which I think all women should.
1: Absolutely. Do you have any tips for? Um, you know, divorce is, is part of your main practice, right? Is that?
0: Fair to yeah, say? divorce. Big yeah, divorce okay. custody. If, if the parties aren't married, just custody of the children, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Have you, um, in your practice, seen? You know. Good outcomes, I guess. And are there any kind of general tips that that you can give if both parties are are kind of willing to do that, or, or ways that you've yeah, seen
0: those as well? So, I mean, I know it sounds silly to say, but take a minute and kind of remove the emotion from it. Most states in the United States are what are called no-fault divorce states. So it's like if your husband cheated on you or if you cheated on your husband or if, if he's just a bad person or if someone's got a gambling addiction or if someone's an alcoholic kind of thing, those don't usually come into play with how assets are going to be divided right. because we're a no-fault state. So you don't get like bonus money. If you were in an abusive situation, unfortunately, that's not necessarily the way the court would consider it. So Oregon does what's called equitable distribution of assets, which is not necessarily equal, it's equitable. So there might be cases where one spouse or the other is entitled to more than 50% of the marital assets. Um, But for the most part, sort of generically speaking, we're kind of going to split stuff 50-50 down the middle, depending on the length of the marriage and, like, what there is available to divide. And in Oregon, we also um, won't court order joint custody of children. So one huge thing that a lot of people walk in and are very confused by is the distinction between custody and, like, the day-to-day when you're going to see the children, what the calendar right, is going right. to be. Visitation. So in Oregon, yeah, we, yeah. we distinguish between the two. So there's custody and there's parenting time. People think of it as visitation, but we use the word parenting time because we don't think that you visit your kids. You spend yeah, time yeah. with them. So custody in Oregon is just really major decision-making authority. So where the kids are going to go to school, what type of education they're going to have, what religious practices they're going to adhere to, what types of medical interventions they're going to have, like body modification, things like that. So that's major decision-making authority over those arenas. Completely separate from that is, what is the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays going to look like? What's the day-to-day schedule going to look like? What's the holiday schedule going to look like? Are, are there going to be travel provisions? That was right, a big right. one for you and I when we spoke.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yep. Things like that. And in Oregon, the parties, so mom and dad or mom and mom or whatever, would have to agree on major decision making authority and that's joint custody. The court will not order and is not legally able to order joint custody. The parties have to agree on it. And I guess the sort of premise behind that is the court doesn't want to force people who are disentangling their relationship to make decisions together if they can't make decisions together. And they're right. So then the court would award custody to one party or the other. There's been a big swing, in my opinion, in the pendulum over the last 10, 12 years about what parenting time should look like, too. Like, is 50-50 healthy for kids? Can kids really adapt to being in two different households? Um, is a week-on, week-off good? And it's like, those are all really factual questions. So, like, between you and your family and your spouse. Yeah. Um, but there is, there, there have been a lot of changes made um, in the law in Oregon that seem to be like maybe a new tide is turning and that we are really trying to, I think most attorneys, especially family law attorneys, are encouraging parents to the extent that there's not, you know, violence or abuse involved, that both parents, if they're actively involved in the children's lives and have regular ongoing contact with the children, that that makes for a more well-rounded child heading into adulthood.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I love that, and I do know lots of, um, you know, people who have done that beautifully and successfully, and I I love that.
0: Right, and I so I guess that that day, would be the sort of, yeah, that would be the tip that sort of flows from that, is that if you can remove, to the extent that you can, the emotionality at the front end, your divorce is going to be cheaper, because you're going be yeah,
1: you to be fighting Yeah. and it's going to be a resolved. Of-
0: Right, it's going to oh, be resolved more quickly. doing
1: that though. But, so that's but that, you know that's, that's easy to say to
0: as an outside observer, yeah. sort of delete the yeah, emotion. Yeah. But to the extent yeah. you think your your other your co parent is a capable parent and there's no danger to the children, just sort of take a step back and and, and decide, do I want yeah. my other parent involved with my children? Does my do my children benefit from that parent being involved in the day to day? And sort of start making your decisions from that perspective always with right. the caveat that there there's no danger or no risk and no abuse yeah, going on. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. I love those tips. Um, so I want to shift a little bit into um, you've had some some pretty fun manifesting wins uh, the last couple years. So you uh, came to my Women's Empowerment Dinner a, year, a little over a year ago. I think uh, 2019 was the last one that I had, um, and you had written down some – some goals and some dreams that you had, um, can you share with us any of, you know, any of this work that, that you've been doing, putting your future board together and um, working through the book, the, I guess, the impact and, and talk a little bit about um, how that mind shift
0: has impacted, I guess, your life the last couple of years. Definitely. So for me, it actually started a, a few years ago, it was after you and I had met and then You had told me about your book, and you had made some cool donations to, like, my girls' school auction and stuff like that. Um, I went to the first empowerment dinner. Um, I'm trying to remember where the venue was, but you gave a couple of free tickets, and I brought some girlfriends with me. And we had such a good time, and so then they were able to read your books. But even before I read the books and just our professional relationship and you – inspired me with the travel that you had done with your kids because you had also talked about it already that mm-hmm. your kids were in, yeah. um, you know, dual language school and my kids are as well. They're, they go to a school called Arcoedis in Beaverton and that's a Spanish immersion school. And I've traveled back and forth to Mexico most of my childhood and adult life and my kids have as well. But it, I was so inspired by you just taking your three kids on your own and doing all this amazing <laughs> travel with them. Cause I've always wanted yes. to do it. And I always have had these excuses as to why it wasn't going to work. So when yeah. you came to me and you're like, I'm taking my kids to Italy and I need help with the passports and the, and you know, we got the job done and you guys. <laughs> Which is how we met. I yeah. Back and back and back. it was yeah, amazing. Had- I was like, I want to go to Italy. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and so I started, I started sort of doing the book work and reading through and, really what it brought to light for me was like these mental blocks that I put up for myself that really no one else was putting up. I was putting them up for myself. I was, Um, I was too busy. There was too many cases. There was too much work to do. I had too much student loan debt. I shouldn't be treating Mm -hmm. myself, you know, I shouldn't be doing this until I pay off the student loan debt. And the kids are too little. It's too hard to travel with them. Like just all these silly blocks that I was creating for myself that no one else was really putting in my way. And Mm -hmm. so clear back from that first dinner, you know, a couple of my girlfriends got involved and they follow you on social media and stuff too, and and you've met them. And we've had good times together. And I really decided after the last manifestation dinner, to sit down and do the writing. So I, I, I sent you a, a text of I'd saved it yes. and in and, and, yes. and the future board's hardback of the notes that I took at our last dinner, and there were several of them on there. One of them was to be able to go to Europe with my family, um, including my mm-hmm. kids, um, to be able to pay off student loan debt. Um, to be able to purchase more of a share in my firm than I had had at the time. And then I put a purely selfish, or maybe not selfish, but just a purely for me one. I've been (laughs) wanting to do a mommy makeover basically ever since my second daughter was born. And she she just turned seven in August. And three and a half years ago, I went and did a consult and – you know, I I had X, Y, and Z feelings about it after I left. I was right. a little freaked out about it. And I'm a researcher. Like, I wanted to research everything and get everything, everything. done. Yep. Yeah. And since I wrote those down at your last dinner, I have paid off all of my private student loan debt. That's,
1: girl. Oh um, my God.
0: Last that year, sense. as a sort of a combo, my 40th birthday and my 10-year wedding anniversary of my husband, um, we did a trip to Europe with our girls, and it was really awesome. We um, started You did Italy. Always- Yeah, we started in Spain. We did a week-long cruise that took us a couple ports in Italy, um, a port in uh, France, and then back to Barcelona. Was able to travel down and stay for a week on the Mediterranean with a girlfriend who lives over there in Valencia. Um, and then we flew home from Madrid, but we got to do these really cool things with our kids. Um, they got to use their Spanish, so I that was amazing. Say, yeah, and I, I mean, I'm, awesome. i was 40. I'd never so been awesome. to Europe before. I'd never oh, done that, that type of traveling, and so excited. I know it was so awesome. Um, and the, the payoff of the private student loan debt was just not something that I, I always, you know, for years, kind of was like, oh well, it's just fake. You know, it's, it's just, just a, be such there. a such yeah, a chunk of money that. that I just throw money at it, and it'll go away when it goes away. So being able to actually send in that final check was amazing. Um, Absolutely. And then this summer with COVID and everything going on, you know, I'm not an anxious person by nature. Um, I don't think you can really be a litigator if you suffer from severe anxiety. And what COVID has done to me and the restrictions on everyone has sort of made me really empathetic and to be able to understand what people with day-to-day anxiety are going through because I started mm-hmm. experiencing things I, I never thought that I would right, have never yeah. in the past. Just like not being able okay. to sleep at night and waking up at 5 a.m. and not being able to turn your brain okay. off and you know, feeling sort of out of control, like acknowledging how little, yeah, yeah, how little control we have if, you know, forces of nature are upon us. You know, we've got these fires and all this drama going on. And I decided, I was like, I have been wanting to do this mommy makeover. It seems like a weird time, but now is the time because the excuse of I'm too busy at the office, I have a trial, I have all this stuff going on because the, the judicial system, unfortunately, is kind of ground to a halt here, and everyone's behind on everything. And right. so I looked it up. I took my time. I went to another consult. I talked with my partners and was like, look, I probably need to take a month off to do this. They were totally supportive of it. Um, you know, it was partially elect, mostly Love elective, it. but partially. Yeah, there was yeah. some... Um, muscle repair that I needed to have done that I've put off for years and years. Yeah. And I just was like, the time is now let's just do this. I went for my consult and mid July, I had my surgery on August 5th. I feel amazing. Recovery was 10 my times God. better than I thought it would be. Um, you know, I, I put it off so long because the excuse was I can't take a month off work. Yeah, you can't yeah, Take I'm a month covering. off work. Yeah, and and right. I did it and it worked. And I actually was back in the office 13 days post-op. So I interviewed a new okay. attorney. So yeah, it was, everything's been going great, feeling good about myself, feeling good about, you know, feeling hopeful. And I feel like so many, so many of us need something to feel hopeful about. And so I, that, that has put me in a much better mindset.
1: Absolutely. So there's a couple things that I want to unpack there. Um, The first, if I had Any part in inspiring you to travel, that is, like, the ultimate. um, That literally makes me want to cry in this moment because I feel like if um, I'm so, so passionate about people living their best life and you know firsthand that I have not always had the circumstances to do half the stuff that I do um I've been a single mom for 11 years it has not come easy financially I started a business without a dollar to my name without an income without anything um there's been many swings and ups and downs in that but for me what is so important we get one shot at life you guys we get one shot on this planet and I want to live a life that is so full and has moments and experiences that I am so proud to have lived and even more proud to have shared with my children to me that's kind of the magna cum laude if I can teach that philosophy to my children and expose them um, to that, then I feel like I've done my job on this planet. You know what I mean? Um, Definitely. And so just just from, like, literally all the things that you're talking about, just from incorporating just what's meant in life, right, um, really saying, hey, I'm worthy of um, doing this thing that I've wanted to do for myself for a really long time. I've worked hard. I'm in the position where I can. Um, so why am I putting it off? You know, why am I talking yes. myself out of it? Why am I saying um, I, I, I don't deserve that or I shouldn't do that? And working through that and then doing it anyway. And the same with um, you know the travel and those moments and experiences. Even though your kids are young, you'll have that for a lifetime, right? Those will always be special moments that you'll have. And so, um, listeners, this is what I I want you to really take away. It doesn't matter. Um, where you are, and I'm going to be sharing lots of these stories on coming podcasts of people who've been doing this work and their lives have been changing. Um, it, it doesn't matter if you're at the you know, the top of your dream ladder or just starting your dream ladder. You can really make these massive changes in your life to start living life to the absolute fullest. Um, and do you want to talk a little bit about it, There's career is a big thing in in America, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, for for
1: sure. (laughs) Just a little bit, right? (laughs) So we are so programmed to put, God, like 90% of our energy into our career. Like career, 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 career. It's it's everything. um, Our self-worth is tied up in it. Um, There's just a lot that is really wrapped up in that. Um, And I think what tends to happen is a lot of the beautiful life stuff gets left behind and then we wake up 10, 15 years later and are like, holy shit, like what happened? Um, exactly. And so, and I have, you know, I have no idea if this was or wasn't the case with you, but do you feel as though in the last maybe two, three years, like you are um, really putting weight or emphasis into kind of all these other areas of your life? And, um, you know, I, I have seen you have amazing things with your girlfriends and, and, so I really see that. Um, yeah, do you, I think do you feel like that has been a shift or a conscious shift. It, or? it has
0: been a shift. And, and I remember when I started the mind shift because it was December of 2015. And I know we met shortly after that it was less than a year after that, that you and I met. Right. Um, I had had a really rough couple of years of litigation where I just felt like I was in the courtroom all the time. And all I was doing is fighting and like cases weren't resolving. And it's really mentally exhausting to be in a courtroom all day. And I mean, just be fighting with people. It's negative, it's negative energy. Right. But it's like, that's my job. My job is to go in there and to advocate for my client and to be a bulldog if I need to be a bulldog, but also to be reasonable with my client and give them what their expectations are. But some cases just have to be tried and that's the way that it is. And I remember that December just being so tired and being like, Oh, I need to go on vacation. And it was the first time I'd taken a two-week vacation. I would take 10 days or a week or what have you. And I was like, it's the holidays. No one's really doing anything anyway. I'm going to take this two-week vacation and uh, go with my family, spend time with my extended family, too, down in Mexico. And we, all, it was, we were all together and had an amazing time. It was my niece's 15th birthday. And I remember telling myself, like, this is, this is it. Starting January, fresh start, you know, new me, new year kind of thing. Like, I'm not doing right. this to myself. I'm the one that's making myself work this hard. I'm the one accepting yeah, yeah. these hard, terrible cases. I'm the one that's staying at the office Working on the weekend. All I'm night. the one that's yeah. staying there till 9 yeah. o'clock at night. No one is demanding this of me. I'm demanding it of myself because yeah. I – really am also passionate about my job and about representing my clients and about giving them the best service that I can give them. And it was like nobody else was demanding these things of me. So I I sort of took a step back and I had a really close uh, friend of mine that was working at the office give notice and had decided to leave and go to a firm downtown. And it like shook my world a little bit. And I was so bummed because then I was like, Oh no, I'm up to pick up the slack because we're going to be down one family law attorney. And I decided that wasn't going to be the case. It just was a, a little bit of a mini epiphany it was like, no, I, I don't have to overwork myself. Right. I was, you know, I'd I been at my help. firm by then. Yeah. Them. I'd yeah. been there for 10 years. I didn't need to do it. And so from that day forward, it was And I was like, no, we're going to take a two-week vacation every year. There's no reason why I can't do that. And I'm going to be more selective of the cases that I take and more guarding my own time. Even though I know you're like me, I always have my cell phone with me. My email comes through to my phone. Um, And so I since 5th, December of 15 have also been very cognizant of me time. So I don't know if it's cliche Absolutely. or if it's silly, but it's like, look, I am, you, you know, me, Sarah, I, I do live my best yep. life. I love spending time with my friends. We like drinking our champagne. We like our cocktails. Absolutely. We like getting manis and pedis, massage, whatever, even yep. if it's that 30 or 45 minutes just for you, I take it. And I'm, and I'm it unapologetic about it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and if it's th- not, those career, are mental then, health
0: breaks for me.
1: Absolutely, then it becomes a slippery slope with work. And so, um, trust and believe. I want to be as successful as the next person in my career, and I I work a lot, but there has to be those um, boundaries there. And yes. one of the things that I did maybe a year ago was I turned off all notifications on my phone. I get zero notifications. Oh my God, I got my life back. I got my fucking life back. That means that when I want to pick up my phone and text us, I do that. But I'm never called or dinged or any of those things. And so there's like little things that we can start to do to just get our life back and to to oh, put yeah. living and what really matters at the forefront. You're like me, you love to cook. Um, you and I are always sharing our cooking, <laughs> cooking stuff yeah. that I do. Um, And, you know, just things like that. It's like that. that is where my brain cleanses out. That is where my happiness comes in. That is where, um, you know, rounded fulfillment starts to happen. So I would just encourage um, listeners, no matter where you are in the pursuit of your dreams, whether you're there and you've reached your biggest achievements um, and are now looking at what to conquer next, um, or if you're just starting out, really, really consciously plan your life with all of those Components in it. I mean, I'm a big um, believer in the five core categories. Anyone who's done a future board knows <laughs> that's how I always can tell if someone's tagging me in in a board. If it's a vision board or a future board, I'm like, up. Oh, I don't see your five categories. Is that not a future board. Um, but those are those are super important, right? I have to spend time uh, building all kinds of relationships. Um, I have to uh, you know spend the time with my kids. All of those those different pieces are super important. Um, So thank you for giving us such a great example of that. And thank you so much for your advice um, and your time today. Amy, where can everybody
0: um, go follow you? So we have for Harris Velasquez Gibbons, we have an Instagram page. We also have a Facebook page. I tend to post things like, um, you know, just interesting things that are going on in the legal community, Um, in the world and then locally as well, just letting folks know what's happening in our local courthouses and things they should be watching for and aware of. So we definitely love that. Also, my firm is, I call it a full-service law firm. So we're like your family law firm. Essentially, any type of legal need that you have, we have attorneys in office that are able to assist you. And if we don't have that specific area of the law, we certainly would have a referral to send you to. So um, our website's uh, HarrisLawSite.com. Um, so we have love for you that guys to make us Yeah. So we, we do business. We do um, family. We do um, trust in estates. We do social security disability, personal injury, um, workers' compensation, basically most areas of the law, and we do tend to have a focus on litigation. So if you need an attorney that's going to go to court and fight for you, that's what our firm does is litigation.
1: And these your bulldogs. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amy, for uh, being on the show today, for sharing your manifesting wins and um, and your great advice. And ladies, take that advice. Trust me, you never know. Hopefully you won't need it. Pray to God you don't. But it's always better to be safe than sorry. All right, everybody, let us know what you think of this episode. Share it. Pass the love along. And until next time, hustle and thrive.
0: Bye.